Hello everybody, welcome to episode three of the Midwife in My Pocket podcast. I am your host as always, Zoe, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that has sort of just, um, I guess, been inspired, I've just plucked it out of thin air basically. Um, No, it's about burnout in midwives or in the workplace. I have recently been going through this or still recovering from a really quite traumatic burnout experience that happened to me over six, seven months ago now. And it really changed my entire headspace about being a nurse and a midwife and my attitude towards working for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a really traumatic time. And it was something that was really hard to find resources on or to connect with people about because I felt like nobody understood. And I get a lot of messages um, on my page from midwives and nurses or even people who work in general asking me how I cope with burnout and how I cope with having a shitty shift or how I cope with, you know, that work-life balance. And I am in no way an inspirational figure (laughs) or an influential figure when it comes to this sort of stuff, but I have been through it and I do know a thing or two about how to cope with it or I've learnt how to cope with it just because I went through um, this experience recently and I'm coming out of the other side of it now. So I found that when I was going through it, I could not really relate to anyone about it because A, they weren't a nurse midwife and they didn't really understand what it was like um, you know, to feel the way I did or to have this pressure um, associated with, you know, looking after people's health and well-being or being responsible for the lives of mum and bub. Um, so, yeah, it was really hard for me to connect with people and therefore it was really hard for me to talk about it and to feel seen and heard and understood. So I'm hoping that this podcast will help someone out there Um, this is the first time I've really spoken about it on a candid level because for a long, long time, I was really ashamed about it. I thought that it made me a lesser nurse and midwife and it made me a lesser person who couldn't handle the job in quotation marks or who couldn't handle, you know, the pressure or who didn't want to stand for glorifying being overworked, overtired, um, and just a mess basically because I find that a lot of people in health do glorify that um, you know you have to be overworked to make it or you have to be constantly tired to be productive and I just think that's so dangerous and so silly and I don't know why in this day and age us as health professionals are still you know pushing people to their absolute limit and convincing them that they have to be a better that that'll make them a better midwife or a better nurse or whatever the case may be um so yeah that's why I'm sitting before you having this little therapy session um and yeah I hope you guys enjoy it or I hope you find some benefit from it and it helps you in some way shape or form um so yeah I'm kind of enjoying how this podcast has been a little bit of you know whatever I experienced at the time (laughs) it's I hope you guys are enjoying it as well and I hope that you're liking that it's just natural candid conversations as opposed to something that's staged 
Um, again, this is exactly what I wanted this podcast to be like. So I'm enjoying it for now. I hope you guys are enjoying it for now because you are the ones that, you know, have the demand, I guess. <laughs> but let me know if there's something you do want me to talk about and I'll endeavor to make it happen if it feels right for me at the time. But right now, um, talking about burnout and I guess being overworked or having a quarter life crisis is the topic of today's discussion. So I guess I'll get straight into it. Um, let me just readjust. <laughs> so I have been working now as a nurse for seven years. So I started nursing when I was in high school or when I graduated high school and I was working as an assistant nurse in an aged care home. And this environment was particularly challenging and it was probably the first time I was exposed to the nursing world and that sort of shift work, um, mentality and lifestyle and where I was really exposed to the dangers of being understaffed or the dangers of being overworked um, because that's what they are in nursing, right? They're, it's dangerous. I mean... It's just, it's crazy that in this day and age, it's still such a prominent thing. Um, you know, you get onto a ward and you're the sole care provider for, you know, five, six, seven, eight patients on your own. And it's crazy. Like it's scary and it's, yeah, it's not a fun time for anyone. Any nurse midwife will know what I'm talking about um, when I say the dread that you experience when you find out that you're understaffed for the day or that, you know, you have to do the workload of three other people. Like, it's crazy. Anyway, that was my, that was my reality. And it was the first time I was exposed to it. And for a long time there, I thought that it was a normal practice. And I thought that it was just something that I had to get over in order to, you know, do my job like if I wanted to be a nurse midwife I just had to accept the fact that I was going to be overworked overtired understaffed um, and it was a really dangerous mentality but anyway I yeah started working as an assistant nurse in aged care loved it it was lovely very nice the majority of my time there was beautiful um, and then I became qualified so to get qualification in Queensland um, for a nursing degree, it's three years. So you have to do a set number of placements. And back then for me, um, I think oh, I had something like, it was a big number of placements and they were quite um, sporadic. So you would do a placement for two or three weeks and then you would do the rest of your semester's content. Then you'd go back into placement, do another couple of two or three weeks and then, you know, so on and so forth. And... I, throughout my placements, I was being worked pretty hard. I will admit I was doing a lot of shifts um, and people would often forget that I was a student or people would often treat me as if I was another staff member. And I know a lot of other um, nurses go through this. They get treated like they're working, um, which isn't the case. Like you don't really learn much in that sort of environment. So what I guess the picture I'm trying to paint is that it's something that's widely accepted in nursing and midwifery that you're just going to come onto a shift and it's going to be short, um, whether that be in staffing or in resources, in um, time, you know, something somewhere is going to fall short. And the thing that 
pisses me off, quite frankly, is that it's accepted and that if you argue it or you refuse to work or you refuse to accept the fact that they're just going to leave you short, you're the shit person. (sighs) See, and that's what gets me because in every other workplace, it's something that seems to be really quite standardized and something that's really um, promoted is a safe workplace and a safe working environment with safe staffing and yeah for some reason nursing and midwifery just falls by the wayside and it's really quite frustrating especially when you love your job and you're passionate about your job and you can't even do your job to its full capacity because you're doing the work of three to four other people. So I guess from the very get-go, I've always been used to the disappointment of being understaffed, like to the point where if you have a well-staffed ward, it's a rarity and it's something that you, you know, try to save you because it's like, well, I'm not going to ever have this again or I'm not going to have this for another three to four weeks. Um, So you try and enjoy that moment and all of a sudden you're working a really nice shift and you're having a really good time with your colleagues and it's like this this should literally be how it is every single day um so yeah that has been my career and it's been consistent throughout my career where you know you have such high highs and low lows and there's no in between and um it continued on throughout my midwifery career and unfortunately the burnout led to me reconsidering my whole career in general and this is only recent this isn't like you know a couple of years ago or whatever this was at the start of 2021 so it was about January February I had been qualified as a midwife for six months so I graduate I've been working as a registered nurse in a maternity unit for about three years then I made the switch to study midwifery and I worked as a nurse, studied and, um, you know, was doing both. So I have always sort of been in the women's health sector um, just without the midwifery qualification. So then when it came to me being qualified, I was exhausted (laughs) and I hadn't even had the letters RM after my name, which is insane. Like, I thought that I was doing, or I thought that I was used to it by now being a nurse. Like I did it for three years at that point. And I was like, oh, you know, I couldn't possibly get any more tired or I couldn't possibly get any more overworked, but boom, there it is. Um, So I guess what happened was when I became a midwifery student, my life was suddenly thrust into the world of being on call, into the world of doing extra hours or staying back to do overtime because when you're a student you need 30 births to graduate so you have to be the sole care provider with obviously supervision um, but you have to be the main one to be looking after a woman in labor and birthing helping her deliver her baby or delivering her baby catching her baby Um, I hate the word delivering (laughs) in a birth sense like it's not pizza anyway um Yeah, you have to be the main person to catch the baby. And sometimes this doesn't always pan out. Like birth is birth and birth happens at the most, you know, ridiculous of times because 
it's all done on baby's schedule. <laughs> um, so, you know, I understood pretty quickly that overtime was inevitable for me because it was just, you know, the nature of the job and the nature of the profession. So I would often stay back, work overtime, or I would be working underpaid or unpaid, sorry, um, I'd be working unpaid hours to get the catches that I needed to complete my degree. And in a lot of hospitals, they say that, you know, 12 hours is your absolute max. If you go past being on the unit for that 12 hour period, you need to go home. Um, a lot of people turn a blind eye to that. And it's really easy to go over your time in a midwifery career or degree. Um, so, you know, that was happening quite frequently, which was fine. I was cool with it. Like I was always happy by the end of it because I got to get my hands on a baby and I got to be a part of a birth and I got to help support women and encourage them throughout their labor and birth process, which I loved. So it wasn't like I was doing something I hated, but it quickly became something I resented if that makes sense. And it's still something that I'm trying to heal from and it's still something that I'm trying to work on. Um, but yeah, at the time I didn't realize that I was going to. I thought, oh, like, you know, midwifery is great. Like I'm so passionate about it. I love it so much. I love this job and I love everything it entails. How could I ever get sick of this or how could I ever hate it? And then all of a sudden I found myself looking down the barrel of, I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> and I don't want to keep working as a midwife if I'm going to go through my the rest of my career this way um, and it was fucking heartbreaking if I'm honest it it took a lot out of me it ruined a lot of things that I loved about the job and about you know midwifery like <laughs> really tarnished it for me and at the end of the day the only one that got hurt it wasn't midwifery it was me and my relationships with people and the way I acted and the way I treated myself got tarnished and it got ruined and it was really really hard to come back from and you know there were a lot of personal like I don't want to blame um the industry completely because a lot of it had to do with me as well. I was a big factor in it. Um, what was happening in my personal life was a huge factor as well. Like I had a lot of traumatic events happen in a very short space of time. Like I had two family deaths. I had a really severe illness in my family um, with someone very close to me that I loved. And it was all really stressful. It was that six months, I look back on it now and it was the most traumatic scariest time of my life um and you know that really it just was a perfect storm in the sense that nothing was going like nothing felt like it was going right and it all built up and it became a really really big struggle for me and for my family and yeah it was crazy <laughs> anyway um so yeah being a student I was exposed to the world of on-call, exposed to doing overtime and sort of feeling unsupported. So it was just the way it was. We were a very small unit. Things happened. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, it was again forgotten that I was a student, which was cool. Like 
back then I was like, oh, you know, whatever, that's fine. They obviously trust me enough to be a midwife already. And like, you know, it was just a really bad, perfect storm. So then I graduated university. I finally became qualified and it was boom, straight into the deep end. Again, people forgot I was a graduate midwife because I'd been working on the same ward in the same area for, you know, so long that they just assumed, like, it was really easy for them to just let me go because it was like, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's been here long enough. She's good at her job. Like, cool, off you go. And that was fine. That was good for a point. And then things happened and I couldn't handle it, essentially. Or I started to doubt my skills because I was like, you know, I have no one really backing me or I have no one really helping me or talking me through it. So am I doing this right? Like, I don't know if I'm doing things right. I don't know if I know what I'm doing. Like, it was just craziness and it made me start to question myself. And when other people would question me, like doctors or parents or, you know, whoever it may have been at the time, I started to panic because it was like, well, I know the answers and I know what's going on, but do I? Like I just started to get in my own head about things and it was really hard for me to recover from that because I feel like once you start this cycle of negative self-talk or negative reflection, you get really down on yourself and you get really quite emotionally um, damaged from it. Like all of a sudden you go from being this confident person who knows she's good at her job and who knows what she's doing. But then you get this like this internal questioning. It's like, well, do you know what you're doing? Do you think you're good at like, how dare you think you're good at your job? What makes you think you're good at your job? And it would just be this constant back and forth. It literally would feel like some days I had the angel and the devil on my shoulder being like, you dickhead, what are you doing? Like it was just, that's the best way I can put it. And it was really, really full on. Um, and it got to a point where I literally crashed and burned. And I remember the shift clear as anything, like it was madness. It was really busy and there were multiple things happening. I was let down by a number of, you know, different, I guess, I don't know what the, what the word is, managerial, no. Either way, the system let me down. The industry let me down. And I was overworked. I was, quite frankly, underpaid. (laughs) Um, And it resulted in me fainting at work and resulted in me getting very, very unwell and feeling really unwell. It was just a cascade and a deterioration of my health physically and mentally And it was scary. It was really fucking scary because it was like, if that happened to me, you know, what, what's wrong with me? Like, how did I let it get to this point? How did I let myself get to this point when, you know, I'm trying to work to make a living. I'm trying to progress in my career. I'm trying to, you know, wear all these hats and balance all of these jobs and all of these tasks and here I am in a pile on the floor (laughs) quite literally and it was really scary um it was a really scary time I remember everyone was really concerned about me 
Um, but it seems like the only people who weren't concerned about me were the people that, you know, that were responsible for my safety in the workplace. So essentially the workplace as a collective. Um, and I read this quote, I remember it said, you know, if something happens to you and you leave your workplace, they'll replace you straight away. But you can't replace the moments in your life where you miss birthdays or you miss, you know, events and significant moments like, I don't know, watching your baby walk for the first time, like things like that. You can't replace those, but your workplace will replace you the second you leave. And that's exactly what happened. So I decided that I needed to take a break from midwifery because it was becoming too much for me and I just wasn't able to cope with the environment and I wasn't able to, my mental health wasn't up to the standard that it should have been for, you know, I needed to take care of myself before I could take care of other people. So I resigned from midwifery and it was the most heartbreaking decision of my life. I remember I couldn't come to terms with it. I couldn't come to terms with leaving the profession. I loved my workplace. I loved my job. I loved the people I care for. I love the people I work with, but it all just became too much to the point where I dreaded walking in the place every day. I cried nearly every shift I was at work because I just could not handle the stress. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't looking after myself. I wasn't looking after my my mental health like I was a mess um and you know it all sort of unraveled from there to the point where I needed to go or you know something would have happened and something terrible would have happened to me and it just was I I wasn't in a good place so I left removed myself from the situation I was jobless for a little while and I didn't know what to do so I decided to go back to nursing for a bit and go to a job that was much nicer in terms of the team. They had a really supportive team. So I ended up going into theatres to work as a nurse and I I loved my time there. I love it. I have loved it so much. And, um, you know, I fell in love with nursing again because it was in a well-supported environment there were, it was a great team. It was a great setting. It was, you know, exactly what I needed at that time. And it really brought me out of that hole to the point where I started to enjoy life again and enjoy nursing again. Um, and I, I missed midwifery. Don't get me wrong. I missed it a lot. Um, because midwifery was my dream job. Like at the end of the day, it's sort of what I became a nurse for. Like I became a nurse to become a midwife. And I felt like such an idiot. Like I remember leaving midwifery and thinking like, well, what the fuck have I done all this study for? What have I achieved? Like I've literally studied for, you know, 18 months on top of my career, which isn't long in the grand scheme of things, but it was a hard time for me. Like I worked so hard. I overworked myself to get to this point. And here I am not even doing midwifery anymore. Um, and it was a really hard pill to swallow. It was, oh, sorry, mind the helicopters, um, if you can hear that. Um, but yeah, it was a really hard pill to swallow. It was a lot to come to terms with. And it was it almost felt like a part of me was missing. And it was hard. So I went for six months not doing any midwifery, just doing nursing. Um, I did 
obviously um, midwife in my pocket full time and that was probably the extent of my midwifery I was immersing myself in at the time and I found myself I would be looking after women who had had cesareans and it was beautiful and I was helping them breastfeed and doing all of that lovely stuff and then I found myself wanting to follow them out the door when I was sending them back to the ward and I just thought like you know what are you doing like I want to go with be with that woman and help her in a midwifery sense and that's when I decided to go back to midwifery <laughs> um, and here I am wait I've just left or I've just you know transferred from my job in theatres and I'm waiting to start back up in the midwifery ward and I'm really excited because it feels like it's time I it feels like I've healed myself emotionally now from the trauma that came with being burnt out um but it's really scary to be putting myself back into the profession that spat me up and chewed chewed me up (laughs) fuck that chewed me up and spat me out all at the same time it it really is scary um but I'm excited and I'm optimistic and I know my limits now like it's burnout and being overworked is fresh in my mind um my mental health and well-being is now my priority in terms of work and I'm living to live not living to work now which I felt like I was doing for a long time there and I am pleasantly optimistic about my switch back to midwifery um but I think what I'll do is I'll yeah I guess I'll share a few tips on how I got there uh, or how I got to this point of saying like you know what I love my job and I love nursing but midwifery is where it's at for me and I'm going to give it another crack because I don't think that is a decision I made lightly I mean I cried for a long long time (laughs) when I decided to go back to midwifery um because I just felt like an idiot it was like well I left the job for six months and to be quite frank it's been the best six months I've had in a long time because I've been able to put myself first and I've been able to enjoy my life without worrying about work or without you know being worried if I'm going to be too tired for my shift or whatever like I'm actually living for myself now so yeah it took a long time (laughs) It took a very long time, but we're here and I guess I'm going to share my tips. So um, I obviously learned a lot from taking six months off midwifery. I learned a lot about taking six months off shift work and I learned a lot about just being myself for a while, um, which I'm going to share with you guys because it's important. Um, First and foremost, I think my number one tip would be to leave work at work and to try not and let the two intertwine so work and home um I deleted my work emails off my phone um because it was just becoming too toxic for me to have them on my phone and to be receiving the notifications on my days off because if you put yourself in that headspace of you know getting a work email you read the work email and then all of a sudden you're thinking about work on your days off when you've just been at work for three to four days before or whatever the amount of time is. So 
it was becoming really hard for me to differentiate the two. So when I was at home, I was getting work emails, I was texting people from work, asking them how their shift was. And then, you know, I was obviously thinking about work at home and that was not good for me (laughs) because again, I would be on my day off, my one or two days off from the ward after being there for six days or whatever it was. And I was just, you know, thinking about work and feeling like I'd never left when I was supposed to be off. And that was the biggest thing for me was, you know, not finding that balance between the two. And it was suddenly interrupting my social life or making me feel anxious. Like I just would read an email or something from work and suddenly be overwhelmed with the sense of anxiety because it was like, well, fuck, like, you know, should I be doing something differently? Is this email about me? Is it about something else? Is it about something I've done? Like, you know, it was just too much. So that would be my biggest tip. Delete your emails from your phone. Read your emails at work. You get paid to work. You don't get paid to read your emails at home. So that's just the way I think about it. Um, So delete the app or whatever from your laptop, from your phone, whatever it may be. Um, Turn your phone on. Do not disturb if you can while you're at home or mute the work number. So whether you go out of your way to block it, whether you put it on, um, I guess, you mute the number, you mute the notifications, do whatever you need to do to really differentiate your life, to separate it, basically, to separate work from your home life, from your life at at home, (laughs) from your life away from it, because it just becomes very blurred. And if you're constantly on your phone and you're, or if you're even like on your day off, you're just scrolling through TikTok or whatever, and you get a phone call from work, all of a sudden you're thinking about it and you're thinking, fuck, like, are they calling me to go in? Are they short staffed? Are they calling me just for a chat? You know, it just becomes too much. Um, Yeah, don't do that. If you want to pick up extra shifts and if you want to do that, sure. But if you just want your day off to be your day off, don't take the fucking call. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, ignore the number, ignore the messages, etc. So, yeah, that was probably my biggest thing. And then, again, finding the time to unwind from work when you get home. So, if you've had a shitty shift, by all means talk about it um debrief with it to your partner to your mum to your friend whoever you need to to feel better about the day and to process what happened in the day because don't get me wrong a lot of the shit that nurses and midwives deal with is very traumatic and very full-on um but it is something that needs to be discussed and it is something that needs to be worked through But once you finish that and once you feel that emotional release, like have a cry about it, be angry about it, do whatever you need to do to feel the way you want to feel to make you feel better about the situation, but drop it after that. And this is something that's a lot easier said than done because truth be told, we're all human. We all have emotions and we all feel connected in one way or another, whether this be directly or indirectly. But try and leave work at work would be the biggest takeaway from that because 
yeah, again, talk about your day and talk about what happened and feel shitty about it for a while, but then move on and try not to let other people's emotional baggage become your baggage. Because yes, you know, as nurses and midwives, we see a lot of crappy things and we see a lot of really terrible things and heartbreaking things, but we can't be taking that on board. Um, I guess the way I think about it, and this might seem really cold and it might seem really, you know, (sighs) distant of me, but it's something that I had to do in order to come to terms with what was happening and just think that yes it's terrible what that person or what that family is going through and it sucks and it's you know the worst thing in the world for them but that's not me and that's not my story so I don't have to take on what they're feeling in order to feel better if that makes sense it's something that I took on for a very long time like I was taking I like if someone would tell me like, you know, hey, I've had a miscarriage and, you know, I would be the midwife looking after them and going through that with them, I had to remember that they were going through it, not me. I can be empathetic and I can, you know, I can empathize with them and I can feel really shit for them, but that's their story, not mine. And I know that it's it does seem really cold and even when I say that out loud it seems really shitty to say but it's just the reality of it and it's just something that I had to do in order to recover from emotional burnout as a result from my work. Um, so that was really important for me to just stop taking on other people's stuff. Like simple as that. And then... Yeah, so leaving work at work, not doing like you can do extra, like you know CPD and whatnot to that actually is beneficial for your career development. But again, I try and do as much of that as I can at work because I feel like if I'm studying work at home, like if I'm studying midwifery policies and procedures and things like that, I burn out again because it just feels like I've never left work. So if I have a bit of downtime at work, um, you know, over a night shift or whatever, when it's really quite relaxed and chill, I'm not going to say the Q word, um, but that's when I will do my CPD or that's when I'll investigate policies and procedures and further my learning. I'm not going to do that at home because then I'm thinking about work again. So yeah, I mean, it all sounds very simple in theory and it all sounds very lovely talking about it but doing it is a completely different thing and it can be really hard to switch off but again it's for the greater good which at the end of the day is your mental health and well-being um so that's what I found really really helpful for me um another thing is taking the time to just be yourself (laughs) um it can get really easy to get wrapped up in other people's shit like I was saying before Um, It can be really easy to bring home the things and the emotions that you've had at work. It can be really hard to separate that from normal life, normal living. So I have now gotten into the habit where when I have a tough day or a good day, I like to do something for me as opposed to for someone else. Because let's get things straight. As nurses and midwives, we do fucking everything for everyone else. We do, we change bed sheets, we 
give them medications to make them feel better. We, you know, do things for them that we would not do for ourselves. We make them cups of tea. We do all of the emotional healing. Like we sit with them and we talk with them about their problems and their issues. (laughs) You know, don't get me wrong. It's the part of the job that I love. I love doing things for other people. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a nurse and a midwife. But at what point in my life am I going to do something for myself? So that's when I come home and I do something I love. So I take my dog for a walk. Um, Mental healthies, I call them. Um, I take Wally for a walk or I sit and I read a book or I chat with my partner and we, you know, do things that make us happy and that make me happy, which most of the time is being at home, doing my skincare for an extra five minutes or having a shower for an extra five minutes, like whatever I need to do to make myself feel more human and make me feel happy because I do everything for everyone else. (laughs) Um, So that is my other tip. And I think that's about all I have to say about that. (laughs) I hope that it helps you in some way or another. I know, um, you know, this podcast is, it seems like a very big therapy session, which to be fair, it kind of is. Um, But I just know that when I was going through my burnout phase and when I felt like I wanted to leave my profession and like I wanted to change my profession completely. I just felt really alone. And don't get me wrong. I have a great support system. I have, you know, incredible family, friends. I have my amazing partner, fiance, sorry. (laughs) I have my amazing fiance and I have a really good support network of people around me um, that really pulled me through that time. But they're not health professionals. And sometimes it pays to hear this from a health professional because you can relate to them easier like you know I'd be talking to someone about it and they'd be like well why don't you just take a few days off and like get over it it's like well no like I don't want to sound like I'm being petty or that I'm being dramatic but my job is literally where people's lives are on the line and where I'm responsible for people's lives and health and well-being it's a lot. <laughs> and me being an empathetic person, I take all of that on board. So if someone tells me I'm doing a shit job, I'm not going to just, you know, oh, whatever, like funny, haha. <laughs> That's going to eat away at me for days. And I might be a funny person and I might be a lighthearted person, but you say something nasty or you say something that, not even nasty, if you give me critical feedback and it's not exactly positive I'm going to stew on that for days and it's going to eat away at me and it's going to make me feel really bad until I can come to terms with it so yeah it's a lot harder for me to relate to other people because it's like well you know yes they said I was shit but here I am five days later still thinking I'm shit (laughs) And especially in nursing, I'm going to refer to it, it's such a personal thing. And especially when you're passionate about your job, um, it can be really hard to switch off and to separate yourself from the emotional trauma of the day. So again, I was feeling really alone. I was feeling really isolated. I was feeling like no one understood and that 
you know, sometimes when I spoke to other nurses and midwives, I felt like an inferior nurse or midwife because I, you know, I just wouldn't stand up for the bullshit anymore. Like I didn't want to do extra hours. I didn't want to work on days that I didn't want to work. Like, you know, if I don't want to work weekends, what's holding me back? I've done shift work for seven years now. Like it just became too much and I resented my job because of it. And I just want people to know if you're a nurse or a midwife listening, or even if you're in, I guess if you're a working person, you don't have to work to live. Oh, well, sorry, fuck. I've completely fucking butchered that. Don't live to work, (laughs) work to live. But also don't work to live. (laughs) I guess what I'm saying is you come first, your family comes first, things that you enjoy doing come first. If you have a fucking music festival on, request work off for it. Don't miss out on something because of work, because at the end of the day, you keep doing that, you're just going to resent your job and you're going to be the one who missed a rager of a festival, who missed a good time with your mates, like... And for what? So that you could get an extra 200 bucks to, I don't know, buy a nice dress for an event that you're probably not going to go to because you have to work. (laughs) Like, see how stupid it is? (laughs) And once I put myself into that mind frame and once I started to realize that, yes, I love my job and yes, I'm super passionate about my job, but that doesn't have to be my story. I became so much better off for it and I'm in such a better headspace and... I feel like I could take on the world of work because I'm no longer putting that pressure on myself anymore. The other thing is you don't have to know everything. Like I know when you're a new nurse and midwife, it's a very competitive field. And I think that's the one thing that shocked me when I was going through such a hard time was I was competing. I was trying to be the best nurse midwife And it's like, I don't get a fucking award at the end of it. I don't get a title. I don't get a promotion. All I get is shitty mental health and well-being. Oh my God, that notification scared the shit out of me. Hold on one second. I just got to mute my computer. Sometimes when you're like deep in conversation, (laughs) I like literally jumped. My God. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, it's a really competitive field, (laughs) midwifery. Um... It can become really toxic and really overwhelming. So I think if you see a nurse or a midwife struggling, don't think, oh, good, (laughs) like one less person for me to worry about or one more person for me to be better at my job than they are. Like, no, just support them because at the end of the day, we're all human. It's a tough job and... We're that short-staffed. We can't afford to be losing more midwives and nurses. <laughs> nurses. Nurses. So look after each other. Um, yeah. That wraps up my episode, guys. <laughs> no, I really do hope this can help someone. Because as I said, I was feeling super alone and super unsupported when this happened to me. And it kind of made me lose faith in nursing and midwifery because... It was just like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, 
please take care of yourselves, guys. Um, yeah, don't let the job ruin you. Enjoy the work and love the work and love what you do, but don't burn yourself out. <laughs> Sleep at night. Do day things during the day, like go to brunch, do all that lovely stuff. Don't miss it because of work, because life flashes you by um, in the blink of an eye. And yeah, no one's going to remember you or say at your funeral, oh, we liked her because she did extra shifts. <laughs> if anything, work going to be calling you while you're six foot under being like, hey, are you still coming into work? Like, come on, <laughs> take it easy, guys. I hope this episode helps you. Um, I guess on a lighter note, you can find me on Instagram at midwife in my pocket if you would like more education relating or relating relating to birth, labor, midwifery, etc. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at midwife in my pocket. Come join our group if you're interested. I have a website and that is midwifeinmypocket.org where I sell some educational resources that can really help you live your best pregnancy and birthing life. So please check them out if you're interested. I yeah, really hope this podcast is beneficial to you in one way or another. Please leave a rate and review if you can, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, please press that follow button. It really supports me. And it really helps me to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Love yous. Take care. Hooroo. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>